0: Do you want to talk about books? Yeah! Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey... And discover the books that make up a well read life. Welcome back. I hope everyone is enjoying their summer. I took last week off for the 4th of July. I meant to mention that in the last episode and it slipped my mind. So I'm so sorry. I'm back now and I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday. Today, I have Danny Delgado on the podcast. Danny is a self described reading hype man. And when you listen to the episode, you will understand why. His enthusiasm for reading and reading aloud is unsurpassed. Now, this will be a two-part episode. This week, we'll be talking about reading aloud, and in two weeks, we will be talking about family book clubs and reading for boys. So be sure to tune in to the second part. A little bit about Danny before we get started. Danny is a veteran educator who is passionate about helping others become transcendent readers, especially parents and kids. For the past 11 years, he has served as a lower school classroom teacher and is now a librarian at Prince Avenue Christian School. He is married to the bride of his youth, Courtney, and together they have three book-obsessed young children and are expecting their fourth later this summer. Danny's website, stickmanreads.com, also features blog posts, book lists, and more content that draws on years of experience, inspiring others to experience transcendent reading. You will want to check it out. Along with his YouTube, which is also Stickman Reads. You can also find him at Twitter and Instagram with the same handle. He welcomes questions, ideas, and book recs via email at stickmanreads at gmail.com. I had so much fun with Danny. I could have talked to him for hours. You will hear our episode is on the longer side, but we just had so much fun talking about reading aloud. So I can't wait to share it with you, and I hope that you enjoy it. Danny, you are a self-described reading hype man. Can you share a little bit about your own reading journey? What made you fall in love with reading? Was it a book or did a particular person in your life inspire your love of reading? I'm very curious to know your answer. I might share my own if we have time.
1: For sure. Well, I would just say first as a kid, I really began to like get bit by the reading bug, so to speak, when I was about fourth or fifth grade. I, I was a really big Matt Christopher Sports junkie. I read so many of the baseball books, The Fox Who Stole, Home Play. I mean, just a bunch of those. And then when I got a little bit older into uh, middle school, I started reading a lot of the Hardy Boys, which is a classic by the Dixons. And then I really like took my whole reading game to a new level when I started reading. I don't know if you're familiar with the Redwall series by Brian Jacques, and Redwall was like, man, like it was. I was a druggie. <laughs> I just, I'm telling you, like it was so funny. I would call the library like after I would finish one of the books, and I'd be like, hi, I need, I need do you have Straw? And I'll call day after day. And once they had it, I was like, mom, they've got the next book quick in the car. We got to run to the library and go grab it. So I was, I was, did you enjoy uh, Redwall at all?
0: So I have a confession. I have never read Redwall. No, my no. husband, I know, I know, Danny, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm so, there's so much I still have to read. It just, it just shows there's. <laughs> yeah. I haven't ever read it, but my husband has. And, we got some of the audibles. I mean, I, he read it as an adult. So I'm really excited. I really want to read them. And I have not heard of the Matt Christopher. It was Matt Christopher. Is that right?
1: Matt Christopher. I mean, I feel like he was like, uh, but before before Rick Ruriden with Percy Jackson, before Tim Green with all the sports books, Matt Christopher was like iconic, like 80s, 90s, especially 90s, really, of, of just like short, like 80 page, 90 page chapter books that had really large font. They weren't, they weren't really overwhelming or intimidating for a boy Yeah. In fifth grade, because those are some things that we – and we'll probably touch upon this later as we continue the discussion. But just the format and the way – I mean, every chapter was a cliffhanger, brilliantly well put together. So that was that. And then I guess once I got into later middle uh, kind of high school is when I really got into military history, a lot of nonfiction Okay. I went through a reading, a reading desert, in high, like later in high school, I went through a reading desert in there and, and in college. And I guess I won't go into just how much I feel like education set up today is to not exactly cultivate and inspire a joy for reading and an appetite for reading. I agree. But then, yeah. It was rekindled in my children's lit class when I was doing my early childhood ed degree at Georgia. And I remember just, it was, I still remember it was, Um, the book was The Tiger Rising by Kate DiCamillo
0: I haven't read it either <laughs> yeah no
1: that's not one of her well-known ones I mean, she's I mean w- Winn-Dixie right. and, and the Magician's Elephant and of course Tale of Despereaux, and then the one that made me cry I, I can't think of it right now it's is it because of rabbit. Winn-Dixie no the one that no the
0: A- Edmund Edmund Tulane? Miraculous, Edward Tulane miraculous
1: Adventure of, of Edward Tulane that was the one that I wept in my bed and my wife was like what's your problem and so that was so good but once I read Tiger Rising it wasn't like I went from never reading to always reading. It was like a little spark. It was kind of like the way I like to tell people was like it was a little there was like embers. And when I began to read that book, and I remember the moment of the book where it was almost kind of like someone went up to the embers of my my spirit and just went.
0: Oh yeah. It started like
1: glowing. And and so from then on, I I read the city of Ember and I read that book in in the class and that began to continue. But from then on, and I want to give credit when it's due, uh, Roberta Gardner was my professor at UGA who unlocked, you know, that whole, that whole love of reading with book chats and just, just reading. And it it wasn't this, you know, big push and big attachment of, of, of a grade or assignments with it, that kind of it helped me fall back into love with reading. Also, a particular person was my third grade teacher who I believe read aloud either A Wrinkle in Time or it was one of the books from the Chronicles of Pre-Dane. But she read aloud to me. I don't remember very many teachers. I'm sure they did. But that was, the, I guess, the one that stood out for
0: me. Okay, two things. One is that my mom took a children's lit class when she was in college. And that really sparked her reading. And so it influenced my life course I've talked about it on the podcast but she read Wrinkle in Time and Wind in the Willows and so the fruit that came from that yep. so I kind of I love your story that it was college that it was reignited and then also second grade my second grade teacher would read aloud to us and that was a huge influence on me because one of my all-time favorite books is 100 Dresses uh, yes. and that ah, I, I yes this, oh, yes, yes, it is like I love that. So, such a tender book, and it was because of her. I never would have heard about it before that. So, I love I call them reading mentors. So, my mom definitely, and my second grade teacher, and then this dear woman that we knew when I was early teens, she was a former children's librarian in in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. She was an elderly woman when we met her, but she really, you know, kept that spark alive for us. And then I went through a reading like black hole, like you did when I was in my early twenties. And it was, it's a different story than yours, but I went to LaBrie fellowships. I've talked about this, I think before. And Mm -hmm. that's when my love of reading was reignited. And I would pick up a book in the afternoon and start reading it. And then I would like finish it by the next morning. And it was the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis that really pulled me back in. So, wow, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. And I need to go back and reread it because I feel like I read it so fast that I don't even remember many things from it. So, yeah, sure. definitely want to go back and revisit it that I've, I've told my husband I want to have him on the podcast to talk about it. But <laughs> we'll, we'll see. What's your husband's we'll see. name? Brett. Brett.
1: I think he and I we need to we need to grab coffee yes. or, or I don't know yes. like go shoot guns and talk. about Yes. <laughs> do some stuff. Do something and talk books because anytime I find yes. others, someone who's a male who's like obsessive with yes. the written word, I'm like, bro, let's let's yes. get together. Let's do this thing, dog.
0: Yes, absolutely. There's a, a trilogy I'm going to share with you real quickly called the Gorman Gas Trilogy mm. by Mervin Peak, and that's when I'm also thinking about having. Either space trilogy or that to have my husband on. But that's a very interesting series. If you like fantasy, it's very, very different. So, yeah, he'll eventually be on that. But I also love that children's literature really reignited your love of reading. That to me, I just love children's literature and I love to meet someone else who loves children's literature. So, that's wonderful. So, going off of that, Danny, what are the criteria that you look for in your personal book choices and in the books you recommend? two students. I am so curious yeah. to hear this because I want to, <laughs> I want to see I if I pick anything else up. <laughs> uh,
1: man, this is, we're just, we're like scratching the surface. I feel like we, this, this, this episode might break the internet. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to my personal criteria, book choices, like in general, I'm looking for something that's going to like uphold truth, beauty, it's redemptive, it's hopeful, it's a well-written yes. story. But again, we, we, we both know that's pretty subjective. And so I think, you know, when it comes, to, I think in general, you know, for me personally, a big thing is like, what's my, you know, identifying my reader's purpose. So like, what's my goal? Am I, is it, is it just a light read? You know, is it, you know, am I looking for something that's informative and informational? Is it something I want to be explorative where I'm kind of going off and trying a a genre that I may not typically get into like sci-fi or anything like that. Another thing is like, uh, I really depend on personal or excuse me, I, I I lean on trusted sources with book recommendations. Um, And so I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with Read Aloud Revival with Sarah McKenzie. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of hers, massive fan of hers. A lot of what I do, uh, I've borrowed so many ideas from Sarah. And then another great resource is Redeemed Reader, the Redeemed Reader team. You can find both of those websites, Read Aloud Revival and Redeemed Reader. They're having great resources. In terms of how I recommend books to students, it really goes into like, I've got to figure out their preferences. When I was in the classroom, and I don't know if there's teachers that listen to to, to your episodes, but if there are, I would use reading aptitude surveys, just kind of like you know, trying to figure out what their what their preferences were, what what kinds of things they appreciated in books, whether it be sports, whether it be adventure, whether it be sci-fi, whether it be humor. You know, another factor that would go into meeting criteria that would find a book that would best fit my student was my student's maturity as a reader. So if I had a boy who really you know loved humor, but Maybe they didn't have the stamina to finish to polish off a three hundred page book then I might re- suggest something that was shorter that had lots of images or pictures, and you know there was the font was big, not a lot of words of page so a perfect example of of a series that does that is timmy failure seven book series absolutely ridiculously funny i I still remember when I got my entire fourth grade class down I, I turned them on to that series. I was reading book one that was recommended to me by Jackson, who was in my class that year. This was, I think, 2019, 2018. And I, he, he he gave me the book. I literally, I kid you not, I was reading the book in class silently because a lot of times my kids would have a lot of time to be able to read after they finished an assignment, but we were waiting for others. So the best thing to do with our time is to whip out our book from our, our, our desk and start reading. And I would model this. I would do this as well. And I would literally read this book, Timmy Failure, the first one, uh, Mistakes Were Made, was is the first book in the series. I was laughing out loud. Like I was like chortling at my desk and the kids (laughs) kept eyeballing me. And I kid you not, just from that pure alone, like three or four kids are like, I'm getting that book, Mr. D. And so they go get it. So, you know, those are going back, you know, preferences for students as well as their maturity, their stamina, are different qualifications and criteria when it comes to recommending books for students. But ultimately, I want to make sure you know, the students are getting books that are meeting their purpose. If they just want to be entertained. Great. Let's talk about your preferences. What, you, what kinds of things do you want? Horses in your books? Do you want a, a, a stories about big families like the Penderwicks or best family ever? You know, do you, you know, what kind of things, what kind of elements in stories do you that draw the student and then, you know, feed them for uh, what recommendations I can get them?
0: I didn't have this in the interview questions I sent you originally, but how do you get all this reading done? Danny?
1: Ah! I just, i'm just so curious <laughs> girl look at my face <laughs> yeah so how do i get the reading done you make time for what you love and so for me many times because i have a commute to my job that's about a 30-minute commute you know one way okay. um, i'm able to really digest a lot of books with audiobooks that's a, that's a really big part i also you know at my job since i'm a librarian i'm afforded some time actually it's yeah. funny. this past year was probably of the three years that i've been in my position as a librarian, I got the least amount of reading done and it's on my to don't list next year um, <laughs> is to not get so bogged down. We do a lot of programming. We get, we get a lot of our school members involved in different programs, but I, I think I traded it off by not reading as many books as I wanted to. So anyway, I try to be very diligent about recording the books that I've read and documenting them and kind of like jotting mm-hmm. notes down. So that way I, I'll be able to pull them out and, and, you know, and recommend them readily. But yeah, audiobooks books are, are pretty helpful. And then at my, you know, library space at Prince Avenue Christian School, I'm able to get some reading done. But like my family, we don't have a television. I was raised by oh, wow. parents who didn't have a television. And so when it comes to entertainment, if we're not outside taking walks, riding bikes, you know, we're at the playground going out to the park, more likely than not, me and my kids and or my wife, we're sharing a book together, or reading our own books. And so that's, I guess, I don't know, you just make time for what you love.
0: Oh, I love that, Danny. That's wonderful. I have a couple of book clubs, you know, that I'm in and also, you know, reading for the podcast. So it's like, there's a lot of reading that I'm trying to do, but at times I feel like I'm not getting even getting that much done, but I appreciate your answer. When you are recording your books, you said that you you like to write down the books that you read. Do you write a summary of the books or do you just kind of remember it? Do you have that kind of It's memory? a good
1: question. Yeah. So like I stole some ideas off of Twitter and people that I've noticed stuff. So I have a, like a small like pocket bullet journal, similar to a moleskin. I've tried to color code them by highlighter. And like, I have like a little key at the beginning of my notebook and I, I, it's actually in my book bag, but I'm not going to bother to go getting it. You know, I, I highlight it according to like picture book, chapter book, youth fiction, adult fiction, adult nonfiction, you know, kind of different colors. And so I'm a
0: true librarian. Buy, yeah,
1: exactly. And um, <laughs> by month. So like, for example, in June, I just recorded last night three picture books that I, that I read to my kids last night that we hadn't read before. I'll write the title. I will never forget the author. I will never forget the illustrator. That's huge. That's a whole other podcast episode. But
0: yeah, I always like to, when I'm reading picture books, like to say who the author is and who the illustrator is. Just yeah, to, you know, required. Credit and get that in her mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize the importance of it until later in, in my, my reading life. You know, I, I mean, yeah. author, illustrator, author, illustrator. It's, it's, gosh, that's, that's, it's like literally half of the experience, but write down the title, write down the author, illustrator write down like is it fiction, wordless, wordless picture book, board book, kind of the format that it's in. And then a quick one sentence synopsis. And then what kind of audience would appreciate the book? Mm. Ages, does it have great back matter? I'm sure you know back matter. It's, it's the great like additional details. And I have a book here. If, if your audience, I don't know if you get to watch this or not, but um, I got a, an example of a book that includes back matter with, I don't know, I'll show it to you right now. If you haven't read this, it's called who done it a forest floor mystery this thing this is if you got boys they will love this. <laughs> they will really love this but it's basically about scat it's it's, it's about dropping yeah. animals differently in the forest but it's precious and cute but the back matter at the back has like you know here's different types of scat that you'll find in the forest yeah. here's the answer right here and then it's got poo is precious and it talks about you know basically like what the different ways that poo is used, but this back matter is incredible because it opens up different conversations that you would yeah. otherwise maybe not have with your with your audience, whether it be students or, or, or kiddos. So I like to list that as well in, in when I'm recording books.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I love that answer, Danny. <laughs> that's gonna be so helpful for me. Yes. Um Are there any books that which have shaped and reinforced what you believe quality reading should look like? I know a lot of people oh, are yeah. kind of iffy about the word should, but for lack of better word.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean. Reading's is going to be subjective, so like I'm not saying this is the end-all, the be-all. So what quality of reading looks like, just in my experience as an educator, as a parent, and just as a reader, it's multi-layered, right? So it depends on the reader and where they're at in their journey as a reader. I, I think, are you a kiddo who is just trying to dive into books and to trying to find a series or a niche that you're really excited about? And so quality of reading for them is going to look differently than maybe someone who's doing research or whatnot. And research can be quality. reading. And for what I've done is I've done research, but it's more of grassroots research in terms of like, how do you just get people to be excited about reading again? Students, teachers, I'm telling you right now, teachers are some of the people who they'll tell you, they'll look at you and say, I don't have time to read. And I know. for all intents and purposes. You know, they don't. They, they have other things that are taking up their schedule, their time, their, their free time. So, you know, as a teacher, you've got to say certain things are not as worthwhile and as important as me having a personal reading life. As a teacher, you know, reading can be a huge stream of inspiration and motivation for your own educational practice and best methods so it depends on where the reader is at in their in their reading journey that's going to be a big factor in terms of what quality reading looks like i think also questions have to be asked so like what does quality reading accomplish one goal of quality reading i believe should be to cultivate a lifelong habit and enjoyment of reading Mm -hmm. so if that's if that's what you're trying to accomplish go get books that support the goal right especially if you're a kiddo so books that have shaped my convictions in terms of what quality reading looks like Honey for a Child's Heart, Gladys Hunt. Yes,
0: I have that. Mm-hmm.
1: Timeless. I've read that multiple times. This is not as well known. How to Get Your Child to Love Reading by Esme Coddle, And I, I may not be um, I may not be pronouncing her last name correctly. Esme or Coddle. But it's huge. It's like 550 pages and it is literally a gold mine. And I wish maybe a publisher would pick up and do an updated version. Because I mean, it was written back in the middle 2000s. But that one, I kid you not, if a parent or an educator were like, I, I want to do a deep dive. I don't want to just 100, 200 page. I want something that's substantial. She has book list after book list for holidays, book lists for fruit, book lists for crafting, book lists for different ages. Esme dives into like, what are the experiences that can be shared as you're reading aloud great books? Here are the books. Here are the activity ideas. It's literally a picture book, a recommendation for anything and everything under the sun. Third book for educators especially would be The Book Whisperer by Donalyn Miller. A Book Whisperer was was tremendous for me to systematically instill a love of reading in my students when I taught in third and fourth grade. Another book for educators that I actually have in my book bag right now is Igniting a Passion for Reading. It's by Stephen Lane. Oh, man, him and Donalyn Miller are, are tied at the hip. But again, these, these are all methods and very practical, applicable ways to help, you know, what I believe is shaping quality of reading, which is you're cultivating a lifelong habit of reading and, and enjoyment of it. And then the last one, uh, again, I could keep going, but another one is the Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease. Yes. Um, and that one's also an, an all-timer for me. So those books have shaped my convictions of, you know, kind of like reaching for the stars when it comes to not just my personal reading, but what I believe you know, reading could and should look mm-hmm. like for students, parents, and educators.
0: I love that. I've written all the ones down that I'm not familiar with. So I'm excited to look these up. There's also a book. I, it is, I think, written in the 40s. I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's called Bequest of Wings by, mm. I think her name is Anna Stuff. I could be completely wrong on the woman's name, but it, it's very interesting. It's like a very pre-Sarah McKinsey mm. book. It's the same kind of principles, sort of, but it's, written in the 1940s. I believe she was American, maybe. I I don't know if she was British and she was in America or she was American in Britain. But it's very, very interesting from the little bit I've read. I want to get back to it. But going off of that, I'm adamant that reading with your children creates a strong bond. I experienced this in my own childhood and now with my own daughter. You are my first male guest on the podcast and by default, the first father as well. So Uh as a dad, have you found this to be true of reading with your children? I'm so excited for you. I keep saying this, but I'm so excited for you to answer this because we have not had a father on the podcast. And I feel like that is such a missing voice in kind of the reading world of reading podcasts and on social media as well. We're not hearing about read aloud from a father's perspective and yeah. I would love to hear what you have oh, to say. Oh, man.
1: Oh, man. I love how you, you phrase that, you know, having a father's voice in, in that arena. So unquestioning, yes. I experienced the joy, the magic and the passion of reading aloud. First to my students, um, my very first year. Gosh, I still have students. They graduate. They already graduated in 2020 excuse me 2021 was, was was my very first class who graduated i'd come into education fresh out of georgia as a fourth grade teacher and i did very little right my first year of teaching very i mean embarrassingly little and maybe i'm the only one or maybe there's other educators who can nod while they're <laughs> listening to this very little the one thing i did right one thing was i read aloud and the, the books that i read aloud two rah, rah, were the whipping boy by sid fleischman i've
0: never read it <laughs> I oh, read girl, it. girl
1: write it down listen I'm telling you, Beth, all of your, all of your audience members, <laughs> Whipping Boy is a 90-page book, historical fiction. It's about two boys. It's about a prince who's really spoiled. They call him Prince Brat, and he has uh-huh. a whipping boy, which is actually a true account where many princes back in the day royalty would have other children who, whenever the young royalty would misbehave themselves, they would not experience corporal punishment. It would be another child. Who would be punished, and they would not. There's some persons pulled off the streets, and so the story documents their journey as they run away from the castle because this prince is looking for adventure. He's always been living under a microscope, and and he he doesn't know what it's like to be out on the street. So his whipping boy Jimmy from the streets, both of them end up running off, and they get accosted by some ne'er do wells. And it's, it's so good. It's such a great story. Oh. And they're trying to get back to the castle. And they have a lot of different, just colorful cast. I don't know how Sid Fleischman, I mean, he's his, his classic. And his other. I think and Paul Fleischman, I believe, is his son. I, I, I may be mis-mistaken. But Sid Fleischman is such a, a tremendous author when it comes to historical fiction and making it come alive. But anyway, I read Sid Fleischman's Whipping Boy. And then I read the classic by James Howe, Banicula. And I remember yes. re- I remember that being a read aloud in my, myself as a child. I'm mean, reading the series that I read to my kids. And I'm not kidding. These kids were hanging on every syllable, not word, every syllable. And so when I experienced that magic, I was like, there's something here. Like, I got, mm-hmm. let me let me kind of dive in here. And over the course of a few years, I began to really just experience through other authors, you know, the ones that I, I mentioned just previously, Gentriles um, and others, I began for myself to begin to like open up this world and say, wow, like reading aloud is a silver bullet. That's what Jim Shreley's calls. It's like if there was a if there was one thing and I've I've told educators, I've told parents, if someone came to me and told me, Danny, of all the best practice methods that you're able to do, all of them are getting stripped from you. You can only do one thing in your classroom. And I'm talking like for instruction, for in order to convey like strategies and everything else. But if there was one thing I could continue to do as an educator, I would say it was read aloud. I would read aloud, I would read aloud, and I would read aloud. And I would not deviate from that because I know the impacts. I've seen it personally in my own time as an educator. So after that year, I actually read a book called When Books Went to War. And it's oh. it, it's a nonfiction book. It's about when soldiers who were in the trenches and they were on transport ships of World War II. A lot of these young men who went off to war had no appetite for reading whatsoever. But what ended up happening was was that Congress passed a measure in order to get the American standard versions. Uh, or no the liberty version basically there was a huge push against what what the access powers were doing, which they were burning books, and so in America, we were you know wanting to get books into the hands of anyone and everyone as as free speech, so one measure that Congress adopted was to get pocket sized books for these g i s that were in the Western front and the eastern front, and so what ended up happening was was books like A Tree Grows in Brooklyn were written during these times. Intentionally, they were produced to fit in the back pocket of GIs. And what's incredible was this. Is one thing I took away from it was young American soldiers became readers in their foxholes. I mean, I'm not kidding. If you read the book, you read about how, like, they were prized and coveted. They Soldiers would trade rations, cigarette. I mean, they would trade anything to get the newest edition or the newest story that had come out. And what's crazy is when they returned from the front, when the war was over in 1945, that was when the GI Bill was passed. Many of these young men returned, enrolled in college, and their love of reading that they had captured in these trenches carried in with them. And they were, I mean, that was the greatest generation. And a part of that really unspoken element of them was that, they had a thirst, a hunger, mm-hmm. unquenching thirst for reading and, and for knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it was birthed in these trenches. When I read that book after my first year of reading, I was like, hold up. If if it was good enough for what America calls the greatest generation, it's good enough for my fourth graders. And so from then on, I continued to devour books that would help me inspire a love of reading. And so that bond that I experienced in the classroom with my own students, I still have students who come up to me today. And they quote, you know, or they talk about, remember Mr. D, that one time he read to us The Strange Case of Origami Yoda by Tom Engelberger? Or Mr. D, oh, I remember George Washington Socks by Elvira Woodruff. And they tell me these things, and it's a bond that's forged through the written word through my voice as I read to them. And I've experienced as a father. I have a five-year-old daughter, four-year-old son, two-year-old son, and we're expecting our fourth child in August. And my daughter and I just finished our first Chapter book together. It's Little Pilgrim's Progress by Helen Taylor and oh. Joe Sutton. and the illustrations. To say that they're rich, I feel like it's insulting. They, I mean, they are. They're otherworldly. They're not in color, but they okay. are just incredible, and they mm-hmm. captured my daughter's attention. Judah, my four-year-old boy. Would be able to stay in with it this isn't a picture book so it's a little bit difficult you know for his age group but ava hung on every word um oh. and so that was the very first and she's actually she's to, still to this day. she goes i remember a little bit of progress daddy can you please can we please buy it from the library <laughs> 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 she, she, she wants us to get it again and i'm promising her don't worry daddy you're gonna read it to you again. right i remember getting to the end of the book and you know what i did i, I cried i of course i cried cause, yeah because i because that's what you do, and so you know, I remember her just looking at her and kind of sizing me up, and she's like, <gasps> she's like, Pops, what's your deal? And, or in five-year-old girl language, Daddy, are you yeah. crying? I'm like, yeah. A, yeah. is that a problem? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, there is such a world. There is such an experience to share with your own children, with your students, as a father, as an educator, as a spouse. I read aloud to my spouse after reading another book called, I don't know if you read it already. It's called The Enchanted Hour by Megan Cox Gurdon.
0: Yes. I've read that. Yes. My little girl was a baby. Oh yeah.
1: And this, I mean, I'm I'm not kidding. Megan Cox Gurdon is an absolute like she's I want to put this in podcast friendly terms. If if I was in my library, I would say she's a she's a reading ninja. She's a she's a she's just a (laughs) reading gangster. Like she comes up to you, she's like, Hey, I mean like the way that she writes her chapters is just tremendous. I would just say like she opened up the impact that Read Aloud can do in terms of like of bonding one soul to another. Um, especially in the, the subtitle mm-hmm. is The Magic of Reading Loud in an Age of Distraction. And so I picked up the idea of reading to my spouse in that book. And I kid you not, there are still little, like little inside jokes that my wife and I have. But I read that book. I re- I, excuse me. I read that book and then I got inspired and I began to read The Chronicles of Three Day. It's a five book series. The author, Lloyd Alexander. I read all five books from the summer of 2019 to December of 2019. I read all five of them to my wife. I would listen to the audio book first and then I'll go to my wife. And at first my wife was like, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you reading to me? I'm like, honey, I want to read you. This is an act of love. Like reading aloud is just a yeah. act like This is an act of affection mm-hmm. because I care about you and I love you. After we read the first book, you know, cause at first she's not a big fantasy person and she kind of just, you know, I would see this like little, I could just tell in her eye, I was like, and I told her, I said, don't worry, I'm going to read number two to you. She's kind of rolled her eyes. But like deep down, I knew she was enjoying it as we would go to bed each night and read her, <laughs> even when I was so tired out of my mind. I kid you not, we read all five books. We sell, It was like what people do when they celebrate the end of a, of a favorite television series. At the very end of the book, the uh, book five, I don't know if it's The High King. It's The, the King something. But we read the last book. We ordered dominoes. It, I remember it was during Christmas break 2019. We ordered dominoes, and we enjoyed the last two chapters eating dominoes together. And it was a memory that I'll never shake. And I've gone on to read other books aloud to her Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, The Wednesday Wars. I've, I've read several other books to her. We have bonded. Our marriage has gotten so much closer because I chose to read aloud to my wife.
0: I love that. I was delightfully surprised by you saying that you read aloud with your wife. And that makes me want to start reading with Brett. And I love that you are reading. It's not like you have to read super heavy books. Like, you no. know what I mean? No. I think we're just going to start small with some middle Please grade do. books. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love I mean, this.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, just choose a book that's a hundred pages or shorter. Like it yeah. something that's, and this is something that, like, I have, a, like, a blogging website with a, diff- a lot of different resources that I'm beginning to push out. It's called stickmanreads.com. And one of the one of the things we posted on Stickmanreads Reads is that we posted a blog post. A blog post the article is called Help the Fellas Out. And it's basically just, like, what can reading aloud, you know, what can it look like? And what are some tips and tricks and a guide to help people begin reading aloud, especially to boys? Like, what are some things that I've found in my own experience, my own practice from reading aloud for years? And so one of the things that I've, I, I mentioned in there in that article is... You got to be reasonable. You got to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you're a busy family where you're here, there, everywhere, my family, we're very involved in our local church. I'm also at my school a lot. You know, if I'm going to read aloud to my my students or my kids, I'm not going to, you know, when was an educator, I'm not going to pick this 500 book tone. I have a friend of mine, Amy Tarleton, who read a, a really long book. She's a fifth grader. She read this the, on the edge of this dark Sea of darkness by Andrew Peterson. She read it aloud over the course of one year during fifth grade class. That's tremendous. You know, and I, I couldn't have done that you know, with everything that we had to cover in our classroom. So what I ended up doing was just choosing like six or seven short 100 100 to 120 page books. And that was long enough for us to be able to read it in about three weeks. If I dedicated about five or 10 minutes each school day. And I feel like in my experience, the longer a book takes, the more it drags, Mm -hmm. the less buy-in or engagement. That's just my experience. I was especially keeping in mind the temperament of boys wanting things that are action-packed or wanting things that were you know, that would they would be able to get through quickly or, you know, things that were, you know, books that were part of a series. And so that was for me anyway, something that was effective in terms of like being realistic, kinda of like what you're saying, like starting small. So don't feel like mm-hmm. when you're reading a lot of your family or a spouse or your students, don't feel like you gotta pick up Chronicles of Narnia. Because it's not about this is something that I mentioned in my blog. It's not about the I could only read classics and or I have to quantity is the best thing. No. You're bonding one soul to another. Well, if you're a teacher in a, in a classroom, you're, you're bonding souls together. I remember one year I was a third grade teacher and I read Treasure in an Oatmeal Box. And this book has you weeping at the end. I, I don't want to give it away. But yeah. I remember one of my little boys, his name is Nate. And I remember he was crying when we, when we were getting toward the end of the book. And I remember one of his classmates wrapped his arm around his butt. He's like, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm sorry that you're upset about it. That's crazy. Like, that's, a, that's tremendous. Yeah. That's incredible. And this was all coming from a kid, this kid who was crying, who was a kid who, had, before, teachers had said he doesn't like reading. Parents were, were saying, you know, parents were mm-hmm. educators. Our child, you know, man, he, uh, we just can't find a series. I remember reading aloud The Strange Case of Origami Yoda, and I had, before I had finished the book, this same child had gone home. His parent, he had begged his parents, and I got an email from his mom saying, grandparents gave in they went ahead and brought our son the rest of the books from, from the series and he brought each book to school and was reading them at his desk when we don't have opportunities to read them independently he's going crushing through the series that is priceless that is yeah. priceless I, I that was something that I lived I, 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 mm-hmm. I existed for I existed to, to have moments to connect kids to books anyway I could yes
0: keep going, I love that I love that you just talking about that the compassion that yes. was picked up, just not only in his heart, but with as schoolmate that they have this camaraderie and this compassion that is forged just yes. reading that aloud. I just, I think that. I'll so tell you, I'll tell you another wonderful. one
1: because we are talking about compassion. I feel like I'm monopolizing, but like this is my jam. So, no, 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 no. That's uh, fine. This is an interview. The year, <laughs> the year, the year before the pandemic, this is the fall of 2019. Yeah, I was on pace to read the most books out loud to my class that I'd ever done before. I think I was on pace to read seven or eight, which is. Averaging one a month, to have that kind of like steadfast, regular commitment, it it, it was something that we were pretty proud of. So we read George Washington Socks by Elvira Woodruff, and it's about four boys who go on a time-traveling adventure. And they go back in time to like when Washington's army is marching from from Valley Forge to go ambush the Hessians. The author Elvira Woodruff captures through the characters just the agony and the suffering of these young teenage kids when my students heard me read about the snow turning red with the blood of, of these soldiers mm-hmm. who are marching with feet wrapped in rags mm-hmm. and these kids are, are listening they were like mr d is their second book and I, and I discovered there was george washington spy and it's the same four kids go on another adventure but they go back to where i believe it was early in the war where washington and his men were besieged at uh I think it was either Boston or New York, but they were besieged. And this was when George Washington recruited a spy ring to help him figure out the plans of the, of the British and whatnot. And one of the main characters in this book, George Washington Spy, gets up being connected to, and I'm going somewhere with this, they get connected to oh, a no, family I that, were, that, that were Tories. And so, of course, when we think Tories, we're thinking these clowns, you know, why do they not support yeah. the, the cause for freedom and liberty? But what something ends up happening to the father of this family. Oh. And my students, they're going, that wasn't right. And they're looking at this situation that patriots, people who founded our country, people who are who are so passionate about the cause for freedom and liberty to think that they would do something like this to one of not just a Tory, but a neighbor, someone that they knew. Suddenly, just for me, reading aloud, a quality book that was historical fiction. It completely changed how they looked. History. Mm-hmm. Many times, when you're teaching history as an educator, it's so difficult because you're reading it from like this this basal reader. This like, all right, Houghton Mifflin, let's pop it open. We're going to read a paragraph, and it's going to cover the Revolutionary War in two paragraphs. Like, come on.
0: And it's guys. so like, dry. Yes. That's mm-hmm. so
1: dry, and it's just. But when you open up, and it's now an adventure. It's historical fiction. It's based mm-hmm. on a true story. And they're going, the people who supported America, they would do this. And I would go, sadly, yes, history is a little bit messy. Oh, oh it was worth it. Oh it it was Yes. Not only did it compassion but empathy and for people that you otherwise wouldn't share empathy with. Mm-hmm. So ah oh, man.
0: Yeah, it's so beautiful to see how God gives us that gift of storytelling to teach us his truth, compassion, empathy, all of these things. I am constantly amazed by that. Danny, I appreciate all these answers. So I am curious because we were talking about, you've mentioned a little bit of the practical level as we talked about the benefits of reading aloud, but how does one start a practice of reading aloud in their family? And are there any, like you've mentioned some of the methods or practices, but are there any more that you've seen that work especially well?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I've, like I said, I've, on our website, stickmanreads.com, the, the blog is called Help the Fellas Out, A Guide to Reading to Boys. And in it, it's very practical. I've even, we've had it actually just published a book list called Help the Fellas Out. And it's 10 picture books that are especially helpful for boys that I've like, this is not like something that I've like looked up and like, oh, clicking. You know, I haven't read it before. And I think kids might enjoy it. No, these are ones that I've either checked out or we have them in our library or I've personally bought. 10 picture books for boys of various ages from birth to like 11 picture books, like quality picture books and then 10 chapter books. And I have like a little thing like either I've also like identified if they're like a personal favorite of mine or if it's um if it's, you know, one that has a great audio book that listeners can oh. listen in on and will inspire them. So I've identified like that. So requirements. So I would say, first off, the thing to remember when you're going to really get down in the nitty gritty of reading aloud is. Sometimes you can kind of get overwhelmed. You're like, am I the right person to do this? I might feel silly. What if we get into this and maybe we're not really into it and whatnot? First off, there are only two requirements to really begin reading aloud. And the first requirement is, is you love your child and you love stories. That's, that's requirement number one. And number two, and I can't stress this enough. You have to keep in mind this mindset, direction over distance, direction over distance. Many times we get caught up. We've only finished one book and it took us two months to read it. And, we're or this, you know, the book that we read was only 70 pages and it was only Amelia Bedelia. And, you know, it wasn't something that was a substantial, no, 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 no. Direction over distance. That is something that was so critical that helped me keep, keep going. And when you, when you're pointing in the right direction, the distance will come. It will come. So some support, supportive resources that have helped me in terms of the nitty gritty of reading aloud is number one, these websites, like I've mentioned, the Read Aloud Revival, Redeemed Reader, a couple of other, the, the, the books that I've mentioned earlier, they've given me a good place to start in terms of like, what are some great books and picture books or chapter books that I can start reading a lot of my kids? There's a couple of different elements that you have to consider. How do I choose the right books for reading to, to kids and they reading, but especially to boys, because that's what I'm especially passionate about. The importance of a reading routine engaging your readers while you're reading to them, exploring different genres, all of that is covered in, that, in the in the several blog posts that we've already posted up. But in terms of methods and practices, what I would do is I've covered this in an in, in, in article. Number one, I have to be passionate about the book I'm reading aloud to them. I, if I don't, girl, girl, listen. To Agreed. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I cannot, I cannot sit there and convey with passion, enthusiasm, energy that you know, reading is incredible. If I'm reading a book and I'm not sold into it, I just can't and I've, I've learned that the hard way. So exactly. I was like, you know what? even if even if this book hasn't you know made it on the top 10 bestsellers or it hasn't appeared on book lists for other people, if I love it, then I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna convince this child that this book is worth their time and their engagement and their energy and their attention. So that was always number one is, do I love the book? Number two, have I read the book already? I've made the mistake of not pre-reading and just jumping into a book that I haven't already <laughs> right. pre-read. and it's come back to bite me a lot. So I stopped and I've just learned I need to pre-read the book before I ever share it with students or with my own children. And so those were two things that were always really, really big for me. I also would make sure like the amount of like the actual length of the book was 100 to 120 pages. The kinds of books I, I always try to avoid books that had a lot of either monologue or stream of conscience. It's not really this is going to be an over exaggeration but Fyodor Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment like I feel like 80% of that book is just the main character thinking. It was I read that for AP Lit my senior year at Clark Central High School and uh, it was agonizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's, uh,
0: <laughs> I haven't read it yet. <laughs>
1: it, it did not boost my love of reading and I haven't returned to it. And maybe one day I will. I'm sure I'm yeah. sure it has a lot of merit but I, ah. so you know those were some of the things do I personally love it? Have I personally read it already before reading aloud? Length and then obviously like routine. Those are different factors that I personally would always tell my fellow teachers in professional development when I would like you know teach like a little class with, with with teachers to talk about reading aloud. Those are some things you know having the right resources, online resources or books that I've mentioned before that give you a great place to start with books that are that have been proven. Because here's the thing, Beth. Not every book was made to be read aloud. That's another thing that you have to keep in mind. Not every book was made to be read aloud. Um, Definitely. There certain, yeah. Right. You know, there there are certain books that just lend themselves to be read, to be read aloud. And so those are just some of the factors when it comes to practically diving in. But again, I, I do a, a longer deep dive on the article that, I, that I've written. Okay, well, I'm
0: going to have to link, send me that article because I want to link to that sure. for the, the show notes. Um, we had a little, a little guest <laughs> that yeah. joined us My a little girl. so She may be in and out. <laughs> she That's may fine. be in and out. She may share she may share some of her opinions as well. But oh I loved I love those answers, Danny. It's funny we had a read aloud group. I just I've just thought of this just now some friends from church a few years ago i've mentioned it on the podcast before but when you were talking about some books are just not meant to read for to read aloud but we would have it we would just come and we would just bring a book or a short story that we wanted to read and we would just share it amongst ourselves but it was interesting to see the books that or the stories that worked really well being read aloud, and then the ones that don't translate as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it is important. And and I again, I really like what you're saying about the shorter books. Sometimes I know that personally, I like really short chapters in books. And I feel sure. like I can read a little bit faster. So yeah, there, there is something to that. So I, I really appreciate that. Okay, so Danny. I want to ask your opinion or recommendations for your favorite read alouds for parents and children.
1: Yeah, okay, I got you. So I'm pulling up right now because I want to make sure I get these right. So we have a book list that goes along with the the blog that in the book list, like I mentioned earlier, has 10 picture books and 10 chapter books for helping the fellows out. These are great for boys, but because I try to find books that will meet anyone, girl or guy, these will also help for girls. But there's 10 of them. I want, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna mention like the top two or three or three or four for each like picture and chapter book, and then if folks are interested in it, they want to learn more, they can head to the website. So number one for picture books, Skippy John Jones by Judy Shackner. I kid. Never you heard not. of this. <laughs> oh, it's it's about a Siamese cat who likes to pretend he's a chihuahua whenever he goes on adventures inside his bedroom closet, and the author introduces her readers to such rich vocabulary. With this super goofy, like just adorable cat. Who I mean, there's there's a little bit, of, there's a couple of Spanish words. There's the like the character is so compelling and, and just endearing to you. You, know, my own kids and my own wife. This is this is the kind of book where we, if we have friends over, my children ask me to read to their t- friends coming over. Please, read oh, I love Skip this John by Judy Shattner, and so. The series begs to be read aloud. It was one of the one. It was one of the books that that uh, earned an E. B. White Read Aloud. And if anyone's interested and you want to look for the best of the best, you know, one award that's given annually. There's several awards for read aloud books, and I can share more maybe in a future episode. E.B. E. White Read Aloud is is an award kind of like the Newbery and the Caldecott. If you just Google E. B. White Read Aloud, J- uh, Skippy John Jones was one of them. And there's several books. I think there's like five or six of the books. These are picture books. They're 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 incredible. These are books that my fourth and fifth graders at my school beg. And whenever I say, all right, we're going to read Skippy John Jones and Snow White, they're going to go, ah, like they're going to go crazy. These are, I mean, these oh, are- Oh, that's years wonderful. Years from ages four yeah. to 11. If you got four to 11 year olds, these are awesome. Another okay. It's called The Three Ninja Pigs. Um, and it's by Co- Corey Rosen Shorts, but it's illustrated by Dan Satant, who's also famous for, um, he, he uh, gosh, he's written some graphic novels, but he's really famous for his picture books. I think Beagle? I think he wrote Beagle, and I think he also wrote another picture book. He illustrated a picture book about Humpty, like, after the fall. It's called After the Fall. It's kind of like a continuation oh. of the Humpty, Dumpty story. So, I've never heard of
0: these. I'm so excited to explore them.
1: <laughs> yeah. The Three Ninja Pigs is, is like – it's a fractured fairy tale, so it takes the fairy, fairy tale and kind of – Oh, does I love it. it. Yeah. And, um, and so Schwartz, the author, spins the classic tale, and she writes it in limerick. And it is so delightful as a read aloud and just to listen to. And it's great, like, if you want to help your kids, like, if you want to foster like that phonetic awareness and phonemic awareness. So, if you want to raise phonemic awareness so that your kids can begin to get words in their ears and get them used to the sounds, this is the kind of book where you read, but you leave off the word at the very end of, of a stanza and see if the kids can kind of guess at least the, the sound, if not the correct word that the author is about to. They're about to use the Three Ninja Pigs. It's and, and there's actually other books. There's there's Little Red Riding Hood. They the the, the same duo Satan and um Schwartz have combined to, to write a couple of other ones. But Three Ninja Pigs is a great place to start for pe- for families for faith. There's a delightful read aloud called Go and Do Likewise by John Hendricks. John Hendricks has written my favorite graphic novel called um, The Faithful Spy, and it's the story about um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, oh, his, wow. and his and that book is my favorite. Favorite oh, graphic okay, novel. Okay, I'm writing that one down. Favorite, favorite graphic novel.
0: I Eight bought five, it for my okay.
1: wife. Or, excuse me, I bought it for my mom. I bought it for others. I had an interview with John Hendricks um, <gasps> back when I was in the classroom. So anyway, go and do Likewise, which is the book. It's a visually stunning book. John Hendricks is a wizard with art and um, it brings to life the depth and the message of the parables of, of Christ. His mm. artwork, is just, it's, it's, it's just refreshing. It's got like, he highlights details that are discovered oh, wow. after every read. There's not just one of those picture books where you open it up, you read it once, and you go, okay, I feel like I've gotten this. Yeah, you, You're like, no, I need to go back and like, let me, let me just observe and gaze off this one double page spread. Go and do Likewise It's tremendous. I tell
0: you, pick a good picture book, A be- beautiful pictures, they add so much to the story and they really help yeah. it come alive for children. I love, I am such a fan of picture books. So Sarah, I'm Sarah looking McKinsey McKinsey that one up. From, Sarah
1: McKenzie from Real the Revival really opened my eyes up to that. So I'll mm-hmm. hype up right. Sarah McKenzie. Oh, if you, I don't know girl, if you ever I know. listen to this. Oh, me and Beverly me and no. fans. Um, it was huge then, uh,
0: fans, huge fans.
1: <laughs> and then I think another one and for picture book, the last one would be yuck you suck and it's written by jane yolen and heidi stemple and it's illustrated by eugenia i want to say the. Right, i hope i'm pronouncing it nobody and it's poetry it's a series of poems and it's all about the critters of creation that surp sip and suck mosquitoes oh my elephants, goodness. all these butterflies and i mean the illustrations are so vivid The the poetic formats. It's got concrete poems. There's a concrete poem in the book with butterflies. The vocabulary building is tremendous. The creatures that suck. My own daughter would be like, "Uh, I don't want to see the mosquitoes, the the, the blood, and the the mosquitoes' eyeballs. Actually, I actually read this book aloud on our YouTube page. So Stickman Reads also has a YouTube page, and we're posting regularly every Tuesday and Friday. We post up. Me and my kids. My kids kids are with me. Like I, I I model for parents. You know, what a read allowed with a picture book could look like and what are some things and some best practices to help you I'm not saying like, you know, you have to, you know, get these vocabulary in. This is just like, mm-hmm. let's build a culture reading. Let's, let's do this together. Yes. So in our, in our YouTube page, I've read, yuck, you suck. And my daughter's holding it in front of her face. Cause she doesn't, she's not exactly the biggest fan, but when you get into
0: the book, she enjoys it. But I'm think, looking this I, up this afternoon. I'm showing this to my daughter. <laughs>
1: yeah, Yuck, you suck. And it's so funny. We read it and the camera angle, it shows me and my kids reading, but it also, the the bigger, wider screen shows the actual pages of the book. And you'll see what I mean by the illustration. So. Danny, I can't another, yeah, can't wait. It's a must-have for for, for reading aloud. Okay. So for, for picture books, chapter books for reading aloud, I would say number 1 any book by Roald Dahl, um especially if you oh, give yes. it to Roald Dahl, I would say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory yes. is a great yes. one to start.
0: Have it's, you have you It's so short. Have you read Boy? I'm sorry to interrupt uh, you. I want you to keep uh, talking. But it's his, it's Boy. the stories from his childhood. If you haven't read it, Danny Please read it. It's so it's so good. Okay, okay but go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm I interrupted it. you. <laughs>
1: I'm on it. No, you're good. Charlie and Chocolate Factory. It just follows. Everyone knows it for the film, but it's so much better than the movies. Cause like you get a chance better. to really like you are meeting in a more personable way. Yeah. These 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 exotic characters that raw the brilliance of raw like the characters truly come to life and it's like you're meeting them personally instead of meeting them vicariously okay. through the through a movie director another one I've mentioned already before the strange case of origami Yoda that's book one of the series your children after you read it will not be satisfied with just book one when they hear that there's a series of books by Tom Engelberger, they're going to bug and prod and just pester you until you read or at least get them the next book. It's a great fit for, books, uh, for for kids who are read who are ages of eight through eleven. I just read that. I finished reading that book this past May. I read it out loud. I actually took time out of my all the other things I was doing in the library. I read it to Miss Benito's class, third grade class in Prince Avenue. I would go to her classroom and visit them and read chapters from the book. And they were always excited whenever I would come unannounced to read more of Strange Case of Origami Yoda. That's a great chapter book to read aloud. I would say one that I read I read aloud to my wife. That's tremendous. Is This Side of Wild. This side of wild. You may not, you may not recognize the title, but you recognize the author, Gary Paulson, famous for Hatchet.
0: Yes, Hatchet, which scarred me in fourth grade, <laughs> fifth grade. I can't remember which one, but I going to. I will. I will try this one. I mean, I've, I've learned. I, I was wrong about books <laughs> before, yes. so I like authors and books. So I will. I'll give this a try.
1: This side of wild puts together. It's just a fascinating compilation of his true stories of his experiences in untamed surroundings. And my favorite tale is about when he talks about true story about when he adopted this dilapidated poodle because he needed a guard dog. He's in a cabin in the middle of the Yukon, and he needs something to serve as an alarm if, like, big creatures are coming to come, you know, possibly ransack his home. And he gets this three-legged dilapidated poodle who's, like, on the surface, like, what would this thing ever do? But this poodle ends up saving his life from a grizzly bear. And you have to read it. It's like there's no way. like. This isn't true. This could only be made up. That book, along with a many, that, that story, along with other stories from his own experiences in the wild, is a book that I read aloud to my own wife, but it would also be a great read aloud for like an older audience, like say 9, 10, 11, 12. They will just shake their heads as you're reading each story.
0: Okay. I'm going to definitely read this. You know, we have that cabin in North Carolina, and I am loving anything outdoorsy right now. So this is definitely going on my list.
1: Get it, girl. Get it. Check it out <laughs> right now. Please don't walk. Run to your library.
0: Well, that's all for this week. I'm sorry to stop there, but you will have to tune in next time when we talk about family book clubs. I loved hearing all of Danny's insight and his ideas, and it's inspired me to start my own very small book club with my daughter, hopefully in the coming year, centered around fairy tales. So be sure to tune in in two weeks for that. In the meantime, Also, check out Danny's blog and his YouTube, stickmanreads.com and at stickmanreads. We covered so many books just this part of the episode, so I will be including a book list on my website, awellreadlife.com, and look for that tomorrow, so I will try to get all the links and all the books that are mentioned in this episode up tomorrow for you to be able to check out all the wonderful books that Danny mentioned. And I would love to connect with you in the meantime. You can find me at Instagram, at A Well Read Beth. I am not on it very much, but I will check my DMs. And also, you can email me at Beth at A Well read and check out the website, A well read I will talk to you in two weeks. Enjoy your summer. Until next time.